Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I am your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst to that better life. A conduit provides a connection, a catalyst sparks change, and a coach draws out hidden potential. So today, our topic is endurance, and we are at the end of the school year. Some districts like Aldine just got out. We just got out Friday, um, and some districts are still going, but endurance deals with so many things, not just school. It deals with business. It deals with personal development. It deals with relationships, family, you know, all kinds of areas of life. So we're going to explore that topic, but we do happen to be teachers and I teach English. I teach, uh, advanced placement, English 10 world, 10th grade English, and also, um, 11th grade, well, pre-AP. English 10th grade and AP English 11th grade. I also teach ESL sometimes. And I'm here with John Ross Dyke the third. The first. The first. I'm sorry. No, but you good. You good. You good. You good. And I don't teach AP at all. I teach uh, regular algebra two and regular geometry. So. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about this topic of endurance and when we started, I mean, when you get on this planet, you are in it for the long haul. You have, you should have the idea to fight the good fight, to endure to the end, to press forward and become all that you can be, you know, but sometimes you just really have to have that endurance. And I know, I guess the first time I really learned about endurance was when I was in school mm. and you have that, you get into something, you get into, you know, band or drama or, you know, competitions or being an athlete. And then you have those practices and you have to go to the practice to be able to play. Right. And you have to endure that practice time and your coach yelling at you and all the different, you know, things that you have to deal with, you know, to get to what you want. Cause the pain is what gets you to the pleasure, right? you know, and, and if you are really geared up for the pleasure, you really want to hit that spotlight. You really want to play. You really want to see your team win. you, you, you keep envisioning all of that. It helps you to get through the pain, right? you know? And so as an athlete, I learned that when I was in, in junior high and high school, that if I really focus on the pleasure that's coming, the goal that's coming, then I can endure the pain and the pain seems to have kind of a, a, I guess you'd say meaning. It's not just meaningless. So I know that you're a coach, mm. you know, so with endurance, what does that mean to you as a coach? Um, the word endurance means to me uh, in different phases of my life, different things. But as a coach, um, this year, I would have to say, is the year where endurance um, kind of came to a, you know, a bigger picture. Excuse me. It was um, COVID hit last year. And uh, I had just got the head coaching softball job at Waltrip High School. Um, we played three games in. They canceled the rest of the season because of the bug. They say, you know what, we want to make sure that everything is good, that um, you guys don't get sick. So we're going to cancel the season. So I really didn't get a chance to kind of see how strenuous the season would get. Mm. Fast forward to this year. We um, don't play any fall ball games. We play 14 district games, 12 district games. Yeah, 12 district games. And then we have to play a playing game to see who's going to go one, two, and three in playoffs. 
and um, continuing to get the girls to come to practice, you know, um, being prepared for practice. Practice not only um, compensated or composed of hitting the ball to them, giving instruction, it also composed of cutting the grass, mm. doing what I could do for the field. And so what kept me going was the fact of, hey, the girl, if they're going to keep coming to practice, then I got to keep doing what I can do. The, if it, Even if it's the minimum of what I do, I'm going to keep doing that. So, you know, the girls would come to practice and they, and I had a lot of girls. Endurance for me also turned into dedication as well. Hmm. With uh girls showing up, you have to show up. You know, when you uh when you say I'm not gonna make it to practice, then they're just waiting for you to continue to say, Okay, I'm not gonna come, I'm not gonna come so they can fall off. So this year definitely um challenged endurance for me because we had I had to stand the test of times with this season. This is I mean Softball season is one of those seasons where it's at the end of the school year. And so now everybody's ready to, you know, we've we've gone through all our breaks, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Labor Day, Halloween, spring break, MLK Day, all the holidays. And now it's the end of the season. We're in the last couple of sports in the in the school year. And so now kids are looking for any reason not to show. So you got to keep pushing through that, knowing that, uh, you know what, May is coming around. It's testing season, and May is one of the longer months in the school year. So um, we had to endure to make it to the end. And, uh, you know, it's – it's uh, for me, oh, man, I was ready to go <laughs> early on this year. Maybe after after the last major holiday, I was ready. I, after spring break, I was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm kind of – Tired, you know. I think tired is a good word, and and tired ties in with endurance and also with dedication because, you know, I'm I'm here every week and I'm promoting positivity and right. inspiration and motivation, and I believe in everything that I say. But that doesn't mean that I don't struggle. Mm. It doesn't mean that when I get up in the morning, especially as a teacher, I started teaching pre pre-electronic grade books, pre-online learning, pre-a you know, pre lot of stuff. Mm. Um, I started teaching in 1995. So when I started teaching, we had a lot of flexibility in education and we didn't have the meetings that we have now. We didn't have um, kind of the micromanaging that we have now. And so I loved my job. Oh, I loved my job. It was, it was, it was, a way for me to really connect with the students and just do a lot of creative projects. And then, then everything became more testing oriented and more, um, the kids became numbers on a spreadsheet and you were constantly tracking them and, and paperwork and paperwork and more paperwork and more paperwork and more meetings about the paperwork and then other meetings about the paperwork. And, mm. and I didn't sign up, you know, for, paper pushing basically. And, and, and I felt, I feel sometimes more like an accountant tracking numbers on a spreadsheet than I do a teacher sometimes. And, and that really bothers my soul, you know, so endurance dedication, you know, I think that you have to constantly remind yourself, you know, I, I've said on this podcast 
hundreds of times probably by now that I listen to affirmations every day. One of the reasons I listen to affirmations is because of the things that you have to deal with in a day. You know, when I walk out of my door, I feel like I need to be prepared for the day. I need to be prepared if a kid goes off on me, which Mm. really never happens. Mm. If a parent goes off on me, which really hardly ever happens. If an administrator does something crazy, if, if they come up with some off the wall plan that somebody in a building somewhere who probably has never taught in their life decided was a good idea. And now we have to do it as teachers and we're all looking at each other like, who came up with this plan Mm. and how do they think this is going to work in the (laughs) real world? You know, and, and you have to endure the things that don't make sense, the things that are frustrating, the things that uh, even in a sense go against what you even believe because you've decided maybe that you're dedicated to the kids or you're dedicated to the profession. Or even in my case, you know, I have decided that, I'm going to stick it out four more years till I can retire, you know, at my full pension. And I want to do as much good as I can during that time within the constraints that I have, because again, we have a lot of constraints, you know, about what we can do and what we can't do. And and even now it's like the legislature, our government, I mean, now they just passed a law where teachers are not supposed to be talking about racism in the school, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, you have to, endure all of these things that are coming out that just seem just mind boggling sometimes. Like how in 2021 are we trying to take away in a sense, people's first amendment rights. And as an English teacher, there are texts that we teach that are about racism, you know, to kill a mockingbird letter from Birmingham jail, you know, How do I teach that without talking about racism? I mean, you're missing the whole big picture. So being able to, in a sense, endure what is being demanded of you, even if you disagree with it, even if it seems completely ridiculous, and and even if it seems to be serving an agenda that is very much um, against growth, and against developing people who can actually see all sides of an issue and not just see the side that they like or the side that's comfortable for them. Cause we have a lot of people that just want, they want to do what's comfortable. They want to, they want to deal with what's comfortable and not what's real, you know? So trying to deal with that, be dedicated to what I signed up to do, you know, which is teach inspire, motivate, educate in the constraints that we have now, it does take some endurance and some creativity too. So what do you think about that? Maybe, I don't know if you experience as much as a math teacher, but you probably have experienced some curriculum changes that you're like. Right. Uh, (laughs) You know, I want to harken on the fact of, of it being real. I think that, um, and you know, listen, I came to take the gloves off, okay? Um, and I picked certain class periods to kind of just, you know, um, open up about who I am, my experiences as an educator, as a student, uh, where I come from and all of that. And speaking on the real, um, number one, no, we don't talk about racism in math. Only time the racism comes in 
to my classroom is when it's the class period that I know is going to receive what I'm saying well. Um, I've told my kids on a numerous of occasions that everybody won't pass. You know, uh, it's just as an optimistic person, I want to say that um, everybody has a chance to. But this year being one of the worst years of my educating career, you know, we're, we're dealing with the fact we started off the year two weeks late. And they, they deem this year the year of flexibility. So whatever we do, just, just be flexible. But I think that um, the root of this year's problem stems back to last semester when COVID started. An announcement came out in our district that, you know what, it won't, they won't be penalized. When they said that, I said, you know, the worst thing you can do in education is tell a kid that it won't count. Because then the critical thinking and the understanding of exactly what's going on, the red light, the uh, green light comes on from them. So when they say that school is not going to count anymore, you see less and less kids signing on, doing the attendance, you know. And it's one of those things where, for me, I'm in education, um, one for the kids. I love the kids. That's why I love coaching so much. I love the kids. But then, two, because of the schedule, you know, the national holidays, like we've said. And this is something that I, I don't shy away from saying. The part about education comes in when, when you realize that you're ready to kind of like change your life. When we talk about endurance, for me, I dropped out of college twice, moved to Orlando, worked at Disney World. I'm cleaning bathrooms at Disney World and I'm realizing this can't be life, you know. I mean, all of this for, I just want to get away from Houston for a while, you know, see what's out there, met some different people. So endurance in that part, I wanted to finish the program so I would never be ousted by Disney World because they're a huge corporation. But then two, in doing that, I said to myself, I got to go back and finish college as well because my parents both graduated from college. And if it's not going to be a dollar outside of college that I can see, then college might be my only bet. And this is the same thing I tell kids. If you don't have a million dollar idea, you need to go and at least experience it. You know, because it, it's tough to, to, to make the money that we see false idols making without false idols drive and false idols opportunities, especially in Houston. So I tell my kids, if you got a million dollar idea, then maybe you don't need college. But if you don't, then you need to take your exclusive words. Again, this is behind closed walls. I take up cell phones, so ain't no recording me. If you don't, you need to take yourself to college and at least give yourself a fighting chance. But guess what? All all y'all not going to pass. I got to be real with my kids. I got to be real to who I am because for me, it was one of those things where I didn't pass at all too. I I failed twice. And so this year of flexibility and being and having endurance in the classroom has been really tough dealing with kids that one, you can't motivate, but you have to, but they deem you, they deem it a responsibility of yours to motivate, which I don't have a problem with, but you know, Part of the kids not being in class is I can't sit on you and say, hey, 
you know what? You're going to get this work done. Give me something. Because at the end of the year, when, when we're all on, on E and we're trying to make it to the last day of the year, now it becomes one of those things where it's just like, hey, you know what? Give me something. I can, I can get you through it. Give me something. I can get you through it, and we can, we can catch up next year when you're a different class and you really start to realize, hey, I need this. I need this. Help me out with this. Oh, I'm here to help you do that. But everybody ain't going to pass. Especially when, you know, we have conversations in our classrooms and the kids go home and those conversations are not had with, with you know, um, their kids. Parents don't have those conversations with their kids. And then um, the, the expectation inside the classroom looking inside from the outside is not the same. You know, you can't like I, if everybody understood that everybody's not going to pass, you're going to have kids that go to summer school. You're going to have kids that fail, repeat a grade. You're going to have kids that excel. You're going to have kids that want to be pushed and look to be pushed. You're going to have kids that barely get by, right? Just like you have substitute teachers and people miss days, everything is not perfect. And I think that the way that the district paints our expectation for kids is the wrong understanding. Well, you know... I, I, I agree with you so much. And I find some things very interesting. Like, for example, there was a law that was passed. I'm not sure what year it was. No Child Left Behind. Mm, Bush. Yes. Now, of course, I don't think there is a teacher worth his or her salt that wants any child left behind. We all want every child to be at their maximum potential to succeed you know, but when we look at life and I'm thinking about going back 2000 years to when Jesus was preaching, right? He had the parable of the sower and he said, a sower goes out to sow seed mm. and some of the seed falls on, you know, the stony ground where it has no root and immediately it dries up and it dies. And some of it falls on a, you know, a different kind of ground, but the birds come in and eat it up and it never produces. And some of it falls on, you know, better ground, but the weeds grow up and choke it. So it grows a little bit, you know, but it doesn't produce the fruit. And then some of it falls on the ground where it's good soil and it produces, even the good soil produces some 30, some 60, some a hundred fold. Mm. So if you are a teacher or if you're a business person or any, anybody if you are trying to sell somebody on learning as teachers do, or sell somebody on a product or a service, when you give that information out, some people, they're hard ground. It's not even going in. It's not even penetrating their head. Mm. You know, some people it'll penetrate a little bit, but they're going to forget about it. Mm. You know, some people they're going to get distracted by other things or they're not going to have the money. They're not going to have the time. They're not going to have the endurance, the dedication to take advantage of it. And then even the ones that actually absorb it, see the value of it and say, I'm going forward. I'm going to use this. Some of them are going to produce 30 fold. So they're going to get 30% of what you're offering them. Mm. Some are going to get 60% of what you're offering. And some of them are going to take advantage of 100%. So the idea, you know, and, and going back to if Jesus is the perfect teacher and he's saying, this is my results, mm. you know what I mean? And he had 12 disciples and one of them betrayed him. 
then the idea that all of my children, all of my students are going to pass and be successful is, is a wonderful idea. And some people may even experience that in those, those magnificent classes mm -hmm. where you, where you, you know, the people write the books about this particular class, mm -hmm. everybody went on to do whatever, you know, and they make a movie about Jaime Escalante or, or whoever it was, but that is not the norm. You know, that is the, that is the exception to the rule because the rule is that you get certain, a certain percentage of success. And the goal, I think, for the teacher is to be dedicated and to endure to get to that good ground right. and to give all of those students an opportunity to take that seed and do something with it. You know, and sometimes I think that with seed, some seeds, and this is even true in nature, some seeds will lay dormant. You know, there are times when I have been going through something and something will come back to my imagination that was told to me five, six, 10 years ago. And I didn't even understand it at the time it was told to me. But now that I'm in a certain situation, it makes sense now. And even as parents, you know, I think as parents, we can get frustrated with our children and we can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I've been sowing into them. I've been sowing into them. I've been sowing into them. And they just ignoring everything I'm saying there is not penetrating at all it's not even going in but you have to keep sewing because you never know when that light is going to click on when that switch is going to flip when that person is going to say oh right my mama told me that my daddy told me that i i see now you know you you know you never know when they're going to hit that that pig pen moment or that right. aha eureka moment and then all of a sudden the seed starts to produce you know so I think that that's another thing about endurance is having realistic expectations. You know, my job as a teacher, my job as a podcaster, my job as a poet, my job as a parent, you know, my job as a business owner is to put the seed out there mm. and to keep putting the seed out there and mm -hmm. to keep putting the seed out there. And then to know that eventually law of averages there's math, you know, right, law right, of averages, right. <laughs> you're gonna get the result. It may be 36, 30 fold, 60 fold or hundred fold, but you're going to get the result, but only if you keep putting the seed out there. So it's about endurance. And, and as I could speak as a business owner, I could speak as, you know, a poet, you know, when we write and we send out our writing law of averages, you're going to get a whole lot more rejections than you get acceptances. So you have to deal with the rejections and just say, okay, hey, 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 that's my, you know, my seed that fell on stony ground. But that doesn't mean that the next seed that I, that I send out isn't going to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, you know. So you just have to keep going and keep going. And, and even with podcasting or, or you know, going on auditions, you know, you could probably speak with that as a, as an actor, you never know when you put that episode out or when you put that poem out, what the result is going to be because that one seed, the thing about a seed is seeds pro proliferate mm -hmm. and they could, they can send out all kinds of shoots and touch all kinds of things. And, and then this one thing leads to so many different offshoots and branches and, and so I think, again, that idea of endurance that you just have to keep moving forward. And I love uh, Rocky. 
one of my favorite quotes of all time from a movie was when Rocky was talking to his son outside of his restaurant and his son was saying, you know, you're embarrassing me, dad. Why are you trying to fight as an old man? And his, and Rocky said, you know, you were in my hand. You were so small. You could fit in my hand. And I looked at you and I said, this kid's going to be something great. And I looked at you. I'm a, now you're big. And he said to him, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. It's nasty place. It will knock you down to your knees, but it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many, how much you can take and keep moving forward. How many times you can get knocked down and get back up. And that's that endurance, you know, that when you get knocked down, you get back up. When you get that setback, you readjust yourself and you keep moving forward. And, you know, I love, I just love that quote because to me, it was one of the truest things I ever heard in a movie was that life is about how much you can take all the hits that you can take and keep moving forward, you know? And then I think it was Les Brown that said, if you can get knocked down, but you can still look up, you can get up and you can keep moving forward. So try to land on your back so you can get up, you know what I'm saying? And keep moving forward because you can see that path ahead of you. So, so as an actor, what would you say about endurance? Mm. You know, um, you know, when I, when I first signed on to become a teacher, I think that, um, I was, um, I was at, I was at the end of, of, of my, um, possibility, if that makes sense. Um, I had started acting when I was 26, 26, 27, around there in Houston, Texas. I think that's the location of that is, is, is very imperative. So, um, I started acting at 26 and after going through, um, the independent route, going through the independent route of, you know what, um, there are not many opportunities here to kind of come out and say I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Whenever I say I'm an actor, it follows a few other things because to imply that you're an actor means that that's what's paying the bills, mm-hmm. at least for me. So um, just came off of driving school buses. Um, I was working at the ensemble at the time and then I got another lead. I got another lead there, right? That led me to say, you know what? I want to just kind of write and produce on my own because if left up to somebody else, this kind of goes back to the control conversation we had. If left up to somebody else, I won't see another opportunity. But um, I, so um, going and so starting off hot, right? And then get into the ensemble and saying, wait, 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 you kind of need this. And I'm looking like, nah, I'm, I don't, what do you mean? I took it as a, as a slight, like, what do you mean? So exiting that situation, right? Instead of staying there and saying, you know what? Hey, um, maybe I do. I wasn't mature enough to understand that. Starting my own thing. I see myself kind of hold on, keep going back to it because I had a love for it. And during this process of being introduced to something, 
and then and then it becoming your everything. You know, education for me, because acting wasn't paying the bills, um, I had to kind of find something that was gonna kind of appease the household a little bit. Because again, when you're dealing with somebody who's not a creative, my wife is not a creative to say the least. She's not a creative. So she won't understand why this money has to go towards this short film that I'm trying to produce. One, because there's no short film that I could kind of just go and just be a part of, including an audition. There's none of that. So I have to kind of do this because this is who I am. And here's what I can say I'm going to use to kind of like Make sure that the house is straight. Make sure that we don't, you know, worry for anything. The bills are paid. We can eat while I go and chase this dream, right? It was, you know, kind of a a, a tug of war between she is excited to go to my shows and she kind of, you know, pushes me. But on the other end of that, she won't understand why, you know, as an actor, if I want to continue to say that I'm an actor, Right. I've got to kind of invest in this opportunity that I've I've created for myself. Otherwise, you know, I'm you know, it's one of those things where I'm I'm already not getting paid. So I kind of have like an not necessarily an insecurity about saying that I'm an actor, but it's I'm sorry. It's not it's not. It's not like there's no proof. There's no proof. I have to keep like I have to keep going back to it. I have to. This is who I am. Even though I've, I've it's it's the ninth inning, and you know I get a chance to hit, and I'm, I'm going to extend this game. It's who I am. So I have to keep going back to it. You have to understand that um, this is what I want to do, and the education part will fuel it until it's not ready to. It's not going to fuel it anymore because I've gotten an opportunity, yeah. right? And so, um. You just got to keep going back. And, you know, as an educator, because I I find myself, there was a point in time this year in enduring and softball that, okay, let me, let me just chronicalize who I am. I'm a podcaster. And then I would say, well, I should say that I'm a husband first. And then I would say that I'm a podcaster. And then I would say that I am a hustler, an actor, and then an educator. But throughout this year, there was a time period where, you know, with the idea of going back, I really started to see, well, my plate is really full. Like, I can't continue to drop an episode every Tuesday. Like, I've deemed myself, that's what I'm going to do, and be a husband and be this coach that is going to be there every day and not make excuses and not show up so that you don't have an excuse not to show up, cut the grass, um, teach the classroom, five, six class periods, coach two to three sports. Something's got to give. Yeah. Something has got to give. Even though I want to, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep, I'm going to see it through the end. I find myself, um, not dropping an episode and it just burns me up. I'm just like, oh, I can't think straight. I can't think straight. And, and you know, my mood is kind of like, I'm not a moody person, but, 
you know, I don't know if my wife could see it, but it was one of those things where it's like, I'm a podcaster, but I can't drop. I can't sit here and kind of be in a lane where I am at peace. You know, I don't have to worry about anybody else but myself. And so um, all the while that, you know, the acting thing is it's 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 who I am, but it's kind of like falling to the side. So enduring in that, you know, especially when you start to make strides in podcasting and you feel like you have a platform where people should be at this point in time. They understand like you've done it two years now and everybody says, hey, man, I see you doing your thing. But it's one of those things where people that are writing scripts, I feel like, should be like, hey, you know what? I see you doing this thing every Tuesday. If you um, could come over here and do my this part, this role I have, would it, would it kind of like, could we kind of like merge those two together? You don't see that? So acting kind of is like, uh, I'm not going to say that I'm an actor right now, even though I'm, I am. I'm still going to go back to it, but it's got it's to gotta fall in line with everything else, you know? Yeah, I think um, when it comes to endurance, I think things are seasonal. Mm. And I've, I've learned that with myself. You know, um, I've learned that, you know, you have fall, spring, winter, summer. And sometimes you have to know what season you're in. Mm. Like if you're in the fall, you know, the leaves are falling, it's getting colder, you're, you're preparing for winter, you're preparing for kind of dormancy. And there are things that you can plant during fall that you can't plant any other time, but most of the planting is gonna be done in the spring. Most of the harvesting is gonna be done in the summer. In the winter, that's kind of a time for you to rest. So I have, even though in America we have this hustle mentality, and you mentioned being a hustler 24 seven, never rest, you know, no sleep generation and all that. I have come to the idea that the only way that you can actually endure long-term is to have some balance. Mm. And as you were saying to list, you know, okay, I'm an educator. I'm a writer. I'm a spoken word artist. I'm a merch creator. I, I vend. I'm a podcaster. You know, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother, you know, I have all of these different roles. So there's going to be times when I say, okay, right now for this week or this month or whatever, my focus is on podcasting and everything else is going to take a back seat or my focus is on education or my focus is on my family or my focus is on, you know, writing and, and sending out, you know, submissions and the spoken word. And those things are going to have to, um, how would you say, take turns sometimes. Because sometimes I can do them all. And other times I need to focus on one. And sometimes you need to focus on the one that's really growing and let the other one sit there. You know what I'm saying? So there have been times when I have focused on the podcasting because it was growing, growing, growing. It was leading to me selling merch. It was leading to like the workshop, you know, and the workbook that I have. It was giving me all these ideas, you know, and the live shows. Okay. That's on hiatus. Am I going to come back to it? Yeah. I'm going to come back to it. But right now my focus right now, that would take so much work to get it up and going that I'm not going to put this on ice 
that's already moving and pushing and, and, and bringing me all kinds of uh, connections and all kinds of buzz in a sense. You know, I have to, I have to strike where the iron's hot. I have to, to move, you know, where the wind is already blowing. Cause you know, there is a thing about currents, right? If you're in a boat and the current is already moving one way, go with the current, go with the flow, because that's going to be easier. Swimming upstream is hard. Right. You know, so I've learned that, you know, and sometimes people will say, well, you know, when are you going to do your next live show? When I do my next live show, you know, right now, um, right now what's bringing in money and what's bringing me actually more benefit. Okay. Is the podcasting, the workshops and things like that. Now, do I miss the shows? Yes. Do I go and perform? I just performed last Friday, you know, just two days ago. So yeah, I'm going to go and perform, but creating and organizing my own shows right now, that is, you know, to the side for a minute, you know, so I think that to be active long-term, you know, even you see it with a lot of the big name people, they'll spend a little time on Broadway. They might do a residency. They might sit down and do a little, you know, sabbatical, and write a book. You know, they might come out with an album. They might, you know, you don't see them all the, all the time trying to do everything at once because sometimes you just need to focus on one or two things and you need to realize, okay, I have all these talents, I have all these abilities, but right now this is where the current is sending me and this is where all the energy is flowing, so I'm going to go with that. And, so, and, and I think that sometimes we feel like we should be able to do it all, but nobody can do it all. Mm-hmm. You, you have to pick and choose what you're going to focus on, you know, because you can do it all in time, but not all at the same time, you know? So everything that I have ever started, I plan on, as you said, coming back to, I'm going to come back to that, but I can't do it all right now. Right. You know, so, you know, I think that I relate to you in so many ways. One, because not only, I think the education part is the last part that we relate, that I feel like I relate to you about. When it comes to, um, what am I looking to say? When it comes to going with the flow of things, I think podcast, it is that flow. Something that um, I saw coming uh, earlier. I'm talking about maybe 2016, 17, saw coming. And said, you know what, if this is a trend, I want to try this trend first. This is knowing that I'm a teacher, knowing that I'm an actor, knowing that I'm a hustler. I want to try this because I think that this is the new it thing that people are going to do. This is going with the flow. Um, But when I think about saying, okay, well, I want to just focus on this and let everything to the side. There's a fear that I have in doing that because what I would let to the side is education. I don't feel that it's it. Listen, again, I don't want to come off like, you know what? I love the students. I love I love being on the campus because students are a rare commodity. You know, it, you, they they are the next generation. And so. 
you talk about planting a seed. When that kid comes back and says, hey, Mr. Dyke, um, I love you. You changed my life. You taught me this. Or a couple years down the line. That's what makes it kind of like, you know, that's what kind of like for me is like, man, I'm okay, I'm still I'm supposed to be here. Even though I know that where I want to go is, you know, I can't I can't do that and be here at the same time. Watching these kids grow over the years that I've watched them grow kind of it kind of like keeps me there. It endures that. You know what? When you get that when you get the when you get the opportunity outside of it, you're kind of like you kind of jump. You kind of jump. But going with the flow, I also think that for me, I'm I'm the type of person where everything kind of is in one. It, everything kind of goes together. Like when it, when I think about being an educator, I think about motivating. I think about teaching kids to think outside of the box, which is what I do inside and outside of education. I'm always thinking, okay, well, you know what? Um, this is for this. This is for a moment in time. You have to be a professor. I, I started off saying that, you know, I was at my ends. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I graduated college and I did psychology in college. You can't come out and do anything with that. You can't do anything with it. And so I'm working with my pops that, you know, I'm not going to go to school and, and be this accountant. So when the teaching thing came up and I'm looking at the schedule, I'm like, well, I can do that. You know, if it if it is just motivating kids to just, hey, you can you can you don't necessarily have to be a doctor, but you can you can be a teacher. You can be a fireman. You can do something. You just do something. It was one of those things where I think that I had to kind of see it through, if that makes sense. I had to see it through. And so for me, I you know, everything kind of like if I if I take something away, I'm missing it. I'm not balanced if I yeah. take something away. Like, I have to, like, you know, um, being a hustler and and creating merch. When kids say, hey, what's that symbol mean? Or, hey, I'm looking at that. I see that. Or, hey, uh, can I have a shirt? It all kind of, like, for me, it all, it's like, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you have to have both sides with peanut butter and jelly on it. You can't not have a peanut butter jelly sandwich and not have jelly in it. Or peanut butter, vice versa. Well, I want to say this. For me, I think educators are born. I think you can make an educator mm -hmm. better, mm -hmm. but I think they're born. And I think I was born an educator. So when I talk about education, everything I do is education. This podcast right now is education. Mm. So podcasting is an extension of me as a teacher. Mm. My merch is an extension of me as a teacher. This workbook is an extension of me as a teacher. You know, my vision, all right, in the classroom is one about, you know, I say that I'm here to make kids readers, writers, thinkers, speakers, mm. you know, uh, and problem solvers. That's the five things, right? And everything I do in the classroom is about you know, getting you to think critically, speak professionally, you know, and I have all these adverbs, but basically it's all about those five things. Now with this, with Zenergy, it's about teaching and I say coaching, right? To bring out hidden potential in a subject. So everything that my audience already 
has is in them. You know, everybody was born with their abilities, their gifts, their talents, right? All of that stuff just has to be unearthed. It has to be sparked, you know, um, and the first thing that comes to mind is Frankenstein, you know, which is a horrible comparison. But when you hit that electricity to those, you know, those dead limbs and you spark it, you bring it to life, right? You're creating something, you're resurrecting something. And so to me, when you give somebody a spark, you give somebody an idea, um, all you're doing is resurrecting what's in them, you know, because what we have in us a lot of times it goes dormant, you know, anything that you don't feed and anything you don't cultivate can die. Things are either in the process of growth or they're in the process of death. You know, if you don't, if you don't water your lawn, you know, it'll start to turn brown. But what happens when you go out there with the water, you put the water on the lawn, that brown grass can turn back to green grass, right? You know, so to me, when you get a podcast like mine, you get merch, you get the workbook, that's the water for the brown or the yellow grass. You know, that's bringing to life something that was already there. It already had the ability to grow. It already had the ability to produce. It just needed some food. It needed some fuel. It needed some, you know, inspiration, some insight. And that's why I bring people on here because when you can see yourself in another person, then you say, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, if they went through that, I went through something similar. So I can overcome just like they overcame. So that to me, this is all education, you know, um, it's just practical education. It's, it's not theory. This is real life. You know, so when somebody says, you know, I don't even know what endurance means. And then they hear us talking about having to go with the flow or they hear us talking about, you know, when things are getting tough, you still stay with it because you realize the result that's coming. You see the pleasure even when you're going through the pain, then they're like, okay, I can, I can adapt that principle to my life. I can look, okay, what pleasure am I going to get if I go through this pain? And then they take those little nuggets and then they move forward with them. So I would say that I am an educator at the bottom of everything that goes with me being a parent that goes with me being, you know, uh, if I was a wife or a girlfriend, you know, the person that I'm with, I'm going to try to pour my insight into them when they need it. I'm going to try to pour my motivation, my inspiration, my support. All of those to me are part of being an educator. And that's also part of being a good friend, being a good mother, you know, being just a good person. Right. So, so I, I see all of that as integral to that and and for endurance I also think about going back to the people that inspire me. You know, one of the reasons why when I created this workbook package, I had ancestors and contemporaries was because whenever I have gotten stumped and I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I even here? Like 
as much as I have loved teaching and I used to love it, love it. I used to see myself teaching until I was 85, mm. 90. That's what I used to see. That was the vision I had of myself, that I would be the oldest woman in the building <laughs> coming in there, you know, on a walker or crutches or whatever, you know, on a cane. And I would be teaching until I couldn't teach anymore, you know. And I, I am sad to say that I did lose that vision because teaching has become something very different than what, what it was when I started. But I will still probably be teaching until I'm 85. It's just I'm not going to be in a classroom, mm -hmm. you know, a physical classroom with students. I'm going to be teaching on through the Internet. I'm going to be teaching through workshops. I'm going to be teaching in other ways because I have learned about myself that I have to believe in what I'm doing. And if I don't believe in what I'm doing, then I feel and this is a word that I really dislike and I really don't want to use it, but let's just be transparent. I feel hypocritical. I hate, I hate, I hate feeling like a hypocrite. Mm. I hate it. And that is the reason that I want to leave teaching mm. more than anything else. I hate feeling like a hypocrite. I, I hate feeling like I'm in a certain district. My kids didn't even go to that school district. Mm. Because I felt like that district was too punitive, too strict, too focused on unimportant things and not important things. Right. And so I put my kids in a totally different district. That makes me feel bad. But I also feel like if I'm there, maybe I can do some good. As much as I at times hate being there. If I'm there, maybe I can speak up. Maybe I can, you know, I think it was Emerson or Thoreau, one of them said, you know, there's a wheel, there's a machinery, be a cog in the wheel, you know, you, I'm sorry, be a friction against the other cogs in the wheel. So as that wheel starts to turn, it becomes harder and harder for it to turn. You know, so try to disrupt in a sense um, that's what um, that's what protests were all about. They were about speaking up against what you saw that was wrong, and they were also about disrupting the smooth machinery of the wheel, you know, of the of the the mechanism that is our modern society. And uh, I hate that we live in a society right now. You know, for example, Republicans are trying to make it a felony to protest. I grew up protesting. I went to my first protest when I was 13. I can't imagine, I'm 50, I, I don't even know how many protests I've been to, but I can't imagine going to a protest and becoming a felon because you went and spoke. First Amendment, all right? First Amendment guarantees our freedom of speech, but now you could be arrested and be a felon and you could lose your student aid because you're speaking out against something that you believe in or you're speaking out against something you don't believe in, speaking out for what you believe in. So there's, there's so many things that are going on right now that we have to have endurance for. We have to deal with, you know, the political system, the economic system, the educational system. We have so many systems that are not, they don't have the best interests of constituents at heart, you know. And so, yeah, I do the best that I can in the system that I can. And I try to speak out against the things that I don't believe in and uh, take the hits, you know, 
people don't like people. I mean, I've been in Facebook jail so many times. I'm in <laughs> Facebook jail right now. That's why I'm on Instagram right now. I'm in Facebook jail for another 20 days or something like that. I keep being in Facebook jail. I mean, I, I've been in there like seven times because I do speak out on things and Facebook doesn't always like it. So, I mean, I, I have been in trouble, you know, so many times, so many different platforms, but whatever. I think that for me as an educator, it's all about the journey. Mm-hmm. If I had to define what educator, uh, what an educator is for myself, it's about the journey. And you don't really see endurance without being on a journey. Mm, yeah. For me. And, and so when I feel like my journey or what, what I'm doing and in my journey is done, then I've moved past it. You know, as an educator, I've I've um, did Uber. Mm. When that part of my journey was over, I can't. I I find it hard to even consider yeah. getting in my car again and going to do Uber. Right. Yeah. Along my journey, right? Because sometimes on your journey, you just don't have enough materials, enough knowledge. To really get out there and do what you want to do. So you got to learn. I think that for me, a part of the journey is that, you know, I'm going to teach this math because it's about numbers. And and in math, you learn that things are either linear, they move at an exponential rate, or they move where the axis of symmetry has both sides equidistant from each other. Along this journey, you have to have um, a starting point and you have to utilize experiences to be able to kind of push you along and get you to where you need to be. I would say as an actor, you know, your only reference as an actor, somebody saying, hey, I want to be an actor, is you seeing what everybody else has done on TV, commercials and all of that. But you don't know how to. You don't know what you have to do to get to that point or even if that point is attainable because we talking, you know, we talking big dollars. We talking cameras that would would kind of like scare you, you know. And so along that journey for me, I think that, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm an educator first. I would say that I am a mentor. Hmm. Somebody who's here, like I say on my podcast, I do what I do for myself to prove that I could do it for others. Somebody here who comes from a middle class family, educated family, but, you know, because my parents never fostered and, hey, what do you want to do? They fostered. This is what you're going to do. Right. And so when they foster, this is what you're going to do. It's almost like, you know. That ain't really me. I'm 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 not the book guy. And I think that I'm the perfect person to tell kids it's okay not to be a book guy as long as you have a skill. Yeah. If you have a skill, then you can make a dollar. Yeah. And and in the end, I like the the idea in education that is, hey, we gotta teach kids how to survive. Mm-hmm. So along this journey. You have to start somewhere, you have to pick up a skill, and you have to learn to survive on a journey. 
And I wouldn't say that, you know, I know I'm not the best educator. I know that, you know, I, I can teach you math if you if you're willing to open your mind and just receive what I'm saying, because I, I just think that, you know, so, like you said, some people are born educators. I wasn't born an educator. I was born an artist, just didn't know how to kind of like, I don't know how to make it, make it, a, make a living from that. You know what I'm saying? Because, hey, you, it's just, it's just a lot of steps that you have to go through. Yeah. And what education or being an educator has done for me is it's kind of stabilized me. You know, it's kind of said, it's kind of said, okay, well, every other Wednesday, you know, you're good to make it to the next month. Right. And so when I get into education, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is a great start. Maybe I'll do a master's. This is unbeknownst to the fact that, hey, you're not really, you're not really a book guy. You just, you know, you're a guy here that's meant to kind of like show kids, you know what, you know, you can do this. You can find a way. You, you, you just need a foundation. You need a basic foundation to start from. And then experiences will kind of bring things into your journey. So, yeah, I, it stabilized me. And I'm here to kind of stabilize the next generation. Because I like that. Like I said, it's a lot of false idols. Like they don't understand, you know, it starts here. You know, you can't be halfway in and halfway out. You got some kids that don't come to class, they don't do work, but then they don't have something that they're dedicated to that's going to make them that millionaire. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm here to kind of stabilize that for kids, show them, hey, you know what? I'm a guy like you. Yeah. But you Well, can- I will say this. I think um, research... Let's go with research. Research has shown that kids need to see teachers that look like them. Mm, that's a so fact. you and I are black educators. We are the minority in our profession. All right. There's many more white educators than there are black educators. And there's definitely way more female educators than there are mm. male educators. So you being in the classroom, just period, point blank, is a benefit because there are some children who have never seen a positive black man employed, doing good for himself, you know, consistently being there, caring, doing all those things. They don't have those role models. And that's really, really, really sad to say that. And on the other hand, there's also some children who haven't seen educated black people who are in perfect, like they, they don't see besides looking on TV, the celebrities, they don't see someone maybe who is in professional dress or who can speak the whole idea that we can have a conversation Mm. and it's not full of curse words and, Mm. and everything else, you know, uh, putting people down and we can actually, have an intelligent conversation, have an uplifting conversation, have an inspiring, motivating conversation. Some of some minority kids haven't seen those kind of role models. So, you know, one thing about endurance, I think that, as you said, mentors, role models are so important because you just never know 
where somebody's coming from, what they've seen, what they haven't seen, what they need to see, you know? And for example, when I come into the classroom and I'm introducing myself to the kids first couple of days of school and I say, you know, I see all of you guys as seeds and I show them a seed and I show them this big gigantic tree. I have this Mm. tree that has a face. And the tree is like 200 feet tall on the slide. Mm. And I was like, all of that was in that seed. You guys are a seed. You have this kind of potential within you to grow up and be this tree with all these branches, with all this fruit, you know, who's able to actually sow into other trees and create other trees. You know, that's all within you. You don't even know what's in you. I don't even know what's in me. All I know is what I can do today and making good decisions today that lead to good decisions tomorrow that lead to the life that I want to have in the future. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So what you do today matters. It's actually setting the foundation for your life and what the skills that, you know, I tell my students, I say, some of you aren't students. You're called students, but you're really not. Because the word student comes from the Latin studere, which means one who works hard to learn, Mm. one who learns even when it's difficult to do so. Mm. And I say to them, a student studies. A student is studious. You may have Mm. never heard that word before. Studious means you put effort. Mm. I said, some of you are pupils. I said, everybody point at your eyes. Mm. A pupil... Is someone who only works when you watch them. Mm. <laughs> I said, so you have to decide to become a student. I actually can't make you a student because you have to decide I'm going to put in the effort to learn. I'm going to put in the studious habits like going over my notes, like reading things, like watching the news, whatever. I was like, so you have a choice. You can be a pupil or you can be a student. I said, the people who are students are the people who actually learn because the people who are pupils, they don't learn very much Mm. because they only do it when somebody's watching them. But the people that are students, you don't have to tell them to study because they want to learn. I would, and I bring up people like Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass was a slave, right? He wanted to learn how to read and write. He would bag up a little part of his lunch or his breakfast and he would go to the kids, the white kids, only white kids go go to school at the time. And he would say, hey, here's a piece of bread. Here's a piece of bacon. Here's, you know, some, you know, fried chicken. What did you learn today? And he would get his lessons from the kids that were going to school and he would learn what they learned by bribing them. I said, that's a student. Someone who was willing to Figure out a way to learn. You guys got the internet right in your pocket, in your phones. And some of you won't even look up a word that you don't know. Right. You know? Right. So I was like, so you have so much at your disposal. You have the internet. You have, you know, books all around you in these classrooms. You have free libraries. You have all of this stuff. Whatever you want to learn, you can learn. Mm -hmm. There's no excuses. You know, if you want to learn it, you can learn it. And it's all about endurance. You know, they did this study. It's, it was on NPR maybe about five, six years ago. And they were talking about how in China and a lot of the Asian countries, they don't praise kids for being smart. They praise them for diligent work and effort. If a kid gets an A, the parents say, you worked hard. You kept trying. You didn't give up. If a kid gets an A in America, we say, look how smart you are. Mm. 
And so our kids get the idea that either you're smart or you're stupid and you can't change it. Whereas kids in Asian countries have the idea you either work hard or you didn't. And if you work hard, you can achieve it. Everyone can achieve it. So they did this little study where they took kids like Asian kids and they took American kids and these were like third graders and they gave them like a 10th grade math problem. These kids hadn't learned it. There was no possible way they could do it. None. It was impossible. It was an impossible problem for them. And the American kids looked at the problem for 30 seconds and said, I don't know this. I'm not trying this. We weren't taught this. And they would put their heads down. The Asian kids worked at it for an hour, tried to figure out every way that they could solve the problem, still couldn't do it. And when they wanted to stop them, said, give me another chance. Can I talk to my friend? Maybe we can figure it out. They didn't even want to quit because they felt like if they kept trying, they would figure it out. Mm. Endurance. And some people say, well, why do people that are foreigners come over here and they have such big, such, you know, so much more success? Well, there's a lot of factors and I'm not going to say that racism isn't involved because sometimes it is, but there's also the mindset factor. There's the idea of if I work hard, I get rewarded rather than, you know, Working hard doesn't, doesn't, doesn't lead to anything. I mean, I'm going to try to just do as little as I can. You know, I'm going to try to get away with whatever I can. You know, I'm going to try to put in as little effort as I can. So endurance, you know, being willing to work hard, being willing to get out of your comfort zone, being willing to push forward, even when it's difficult. Those are all things that deal with endurance. And, and some of our kids are taught grit. And resilience, and some of them are taught that it's okay to give up, and it's okay to expect everything to be easy, and it's okay if you don't like it, you don't have to do it, mm. and everybody's supposed to cater to you, you know. And it's sad that some of them are taught that because the world really doesn't work that way, and they're in for a really um, rude awakening. And and I know a while back, I was I teach advanced placement. So we often have to meet, or at least we used to pre-COVID, we used to have to go to trainings during the summer where we would meet with a lot of officials from um, some of the colleges. They would come out and talk to us. And a couple of years ago, one of the things that they came out and they said was, can you teach your kids resilience? Can you start talking to them about what college is like? Can you start talking to them about how their parents are not going to come and, and be able to say, hey, can you give my kid a better grade? Mm. Or can you give my kid a, you know, another chance on that assignment? Or they just overslept. I mean, it's, you know, they should be able to like come in when they want, right? You know, those kind of things that these kids are coming in very entitled. And then they're literally breaking down and wanting to drop out. Drop out. And these are some kids that we're talking about kids who got into college. Some of them even got scholarships and they mentally and emotionally are not prepared because they've been, they've been so catered to that they don't have any endurance. The first time they have a fight with their, with their roommate, they want to leave school or the first time they had, and some of our kids don't fit into this. Some of our kids have had nothing but endurance and they have had to put up with all kinds of difficulties and they've made their way through. But some of our kids have been coddled. And, and not taught how to deal with difficulties, not, not taught how to, how to endure. That life 
as Rocky said, is not all sunshine and rainbows. It is about how you, how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And some of our kids have not been taught that. And, and even COVID is bringing that out with some of the kids that, you know, everybody has been pushed to their limit. Everybody has had to deal with all kind of unprecedented things. But I think for some of us who've had some coping skills mm. and, and have gone through some things and have learned how to deal with some things, we were able to look back and say, okay, this is how I dealt with stuff in the past. And for some, especially young people who've never had to deal with anything, life has really been easy for them or their parents have made everything work for them. This is overwhelming for them just because they are just being faced with the idea that there are things that you just have to deal with. You just have to deal with this. You know, it is not going to change because you don't like it, you know? And so that's about endurance, you know? So. Yeah. I, uh, I think about uh, a conversation I had with the coaching staff one time and he was kind of echoing the same thing you said, but my, my whole sentiment in that conversation was this, um, and this is, I think this is tangent, but it, it, it also goes with enduring. See, a part of like a season is that we've got to see it through the end. And, you know, he was talking about, you know what, we're trying to, um, if you keep coddling, then, you know, you don't prepare them for their futures. Well, my whole thing in the conversation was, listen, man, um, whatever goes on in their future, I, I, I can't, I can't be a part of that. I'm here right now. Mm-hmm. So, and right now, a part of just continuing to be present for this team is to show them appreciation for what I feel that they have done in this process, in this journey with us. And so, uh, you know, I, what what he was saying was was valid, but my whole thing was I want to just I want to be appreciative and show my appreciation for what they have meant to me, for what they have done for my career, and for enduring staying a part of a team when it sometimes it's not necessarily beneficial to you. You believed in something and you keep coming back, and. Um, I think that in a nutshell, endurance is that. You believe in what you believe in and you keep on coming back. I agree with you. And and I want to piggyback on something that you said. You know, I've listened to a lot of people talk about why they do what they do. And a lot of times it's not about them. It's about their family. It's about their friends. It's about all the people that, you know, I don't want to let down my parents, my grandparents, my ancestors, you know, and I think that there is that aspect of, I am a part of something bigger than myself. And I owe this community, this school, this marriage, this friendship, I owe it my best effort, you know, Mm. just my best effort. I mean, I may not I may not be the best on the team. I may not make, you know, put up 50 points every time, you know, we go and play basketball, but I owe my best effort because of the history we have, because of all of the blood, sweat, and tears, because of the bond we built, you know. Because of signing up. Yeah, Yeah, right. right. And, And just 
And I owe it to my coach and I mm-hmm. owe it to my teammates and I owe it to all of that. And I think that that's a part of endurance too is, and I think that one of the things that I'm glad that we still have, even in 2021 are those bonds, you know, those team bonds, those family bonds, those friendship bonds. Some people say those are going away. Uh, I think that they're still there. I think that some are changing. I think now people are even developing online bonds, you know, mm-hmm. to groups and they are feeling, um, in a sense, okay, I owe these people my best effort because they believed in me. They supported me. You know what I mean? They were the ones in my corner. And, and so I'm going to endure even, you know, when it gets hard, when it gets frustrating, when it gets, you know, maddening, when I want to quit, Mm. I'm going to think about all those people who believed in me, who gave me their last, who cheered me on and I'm going to keep going because of them and I'm going to endure, you know, because of them. And, and I think about, there was a boxer, uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody out there in the audience is probably going to know who it was, but he had gotten knocked down. He was on the mat mm. and he had told his mother that he was going to win this match for her. And she had actually died right before he went to, to this match and he was laying there on the mat and they had counted up to like six or seven. And he said, he heard his voice telling his mother on her deathbed that he was going to win this match for her. And he got up off that mat and he won. And when people said, how did you, you know, they were almost to 10 and he was like, I told my mother I was going to win. And I knew she was looking down at me and I knew that I had to win because I had promised my mother I was going to win. You know, and and he got up and he did it. And, you know, so I think that that's really a powerful thing when you have, when you've made those promises to yourself, to your family, to your friends, and you say, okay, you know, I am going to endure because of this. You know, I'm going to be a person of my word and I'm going to endure because of this, you know, and I think that's really powerful. Right. So do I. So a last thing I wanted to talk about, and we're going to wrap up is I think, you know, a lot of people say, and I'm, I'm always, I'm in like four or five Facebook groups on relationships and people always say, ah, nobody believes in love anymore. Nobody believes in marriage. Nobody believes in commitment. It's all friends with benefits and situationships and, and a new one I saw today, vacationships people that get together just for vacations and then they have this fling and then they go off on their own and don't even worry about, uh, even staying in contact. Um, and I was looking at some statistics and, you know, marriage is down, you know, it is down. Um, people are waiting to get married and then people are not, you know, in some States, less than 50% of people are married where it used to be way over 60, 70% years ago. So, you know, endurance, you know, there was even a book that came out called the starter marriage, Mm. how people were kind of like having marriages like starter homes. Like, okay, this Mm. is my coming out of college marriage. And then later Mm. I'm going to get really serious, you know, and Mm. I'm going to get into my, my, my real marriage, but this is kind of my starter marriage, you know, and people were in it like three to five years and then they were moving on or whatever. Um, 
you know, endurance in marriage is, it is difficult. You know, I've been married twice. I've been married 17 years altogether. So I know a little bit about enduring, but I cannot say anything to those people who've been married 20, 25, <laughs> 30, 40, 50 to the same person. Hats off to you, you know. Um, but I do know for me, um, what kept me as long as it kept me was really having a vision of family and really wanted my children to have a father in the home. That was so, 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 so important to me. Um, I am not one of those women who don't believe that, uh, I'm not one of those women who believes that a single mother is adequate in terms of raising, um, a son or a child. I think the two parents are best. Um, a single mother can do it, but I definitely don't think it's ideal. And for me and my particular situation, I saw how my sons reacted when, um, Andrew, who was my ex-husband, when he came into their life, there was such a need in them. There was such a hunger in them. Mm. It was shocking to me because I thought we were doing fine. I thought we were good. Yeah. And then I just saw them latch on. I even wrote in my poem, I saw them latch onto him with like vice grips. And it was like, mm. and they were stuck to him like leeches, like glue. And I was like, ooh, mm. let me back off from this. You know, in, in a sense, let me have their space because, <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't even know. And um, I tip my hat to fathers because as much as I was trying to be the ultimate single mom and do everything, there was a need in my sons. And I'm just speaking for my sons, you know, maybe your children out there, maybe they don't have that need, but my sons mm -hmm. had this need for a father that they did not have met until Andrew came into their life and they bonded like nobody's business. And that was all she wrote. Mm. And you know, that was, that was for life till mm. he died. And they still cry about him to this day that he's not here. And he died two years ago, you know, so they will forever, that will be their father forever. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The man that raised them. So endurance, you know, for me, that was, I was going to stay mm. until they were grown because they loved him and needed him and they needed they needed that man in their lives and when we got divorced they spun out they just spun gray went nuts mm. they lost their minds for about a year and a half and I was like what did I do mm. you know um I couldn't have I couldn't stay anymore but but I still regretted not staying even longer because they needed their father. And, and I was glad that I had stayed as long as I had, you know, because as much as he was a great father, he was a horrible husband. <laughs> <laughs> he was a horrible husband. <laughs> I mean, he was an A1 father, 100%, okay, you know, just horrible husband. So, but, um, so endurance, keeping that in mind, keeping in mind what he meant to my kids, what, what they meant to each other. I could put myself on the back burner and say, you know, your needs are not as important as your children's needs. You can stay here and you can be a wife to this man and be, you know, a partner with him in raising your children till they turn 18. 
And then they're adults, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, and I'm still going to be there with them. I'm still going to do everything for them. My son is next door. He's 25, so I didn't kick my kids out at 18, and that's mm. not what I mean. I mean, but as far as me putting out my, my needs on the back burner, I, I, I put them on the back burner until they turned 18, and then I was like, okay, now my needs need to come a little bit more to the forefront, and I need to exit from this situation, you know, so – but I think that everybody has to have their vision of why they're doing things and, and endure when they really feel like that's worth it. You know, what would you say about enduring in a in a marriage? I think you know? that, um, you know, a big part of enduring in a marriage is being willing to change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that from my wife and I just, you know, it was one of those things where... Uh, in a wee night out of the hours, I, I would say to myself, this is who I am, right? And I'm a podcaster, I'm this, I'm an educator, but I, th- I would give it all up if it meant that um, if I had to choose, I, w- I, would, I would regret it every day. I think I would find something else to do. But a, part, a big part of enduring with me is that me and my wife will be together mm. until one of us goes so if it, it i think it for me it's always about changing mm-hmm. in it you know i think that uh along this journey i just needed her to kind of be my you know as a creative as long as your creation is good and you're and you're doing what you love to do it doesn't matter you could sleep in a box you could you you could <laughs> sleep on the ground you could eat the scraps whatever you can find to eat but, you know, a big part of that uh, is she comes in and she's like, nah, well, sometimes you got to take a break. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you got to, you know, you got to travel and see some other things outside of what you think your normal life is. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, she is a part of my journey and there is no me without her. Mm-hmm. I think. And so when I endure, enduring, enduring is, hey, you know what, no matter what, we're going to. We're gonna see it through. So, uh, you know, for me, I you, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to see myself as a podcaster as this and not be next to my wife, even if we're just boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, yesterday we uh, celebrated eleven years together, outside of marriage, just you know, just kicking it, being you know amongst each other's company, and that's how it's always been. You know, people come and go. Friends come and go, you know, but me and my, my wife, we've been together for, it's always just been us two, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, endurance with her is just, just that we're going to be, we're going to make it work regardless. We might take a break, but we're going to make it work. Yeah. And um, one thing that I will say, I think that to endure, you have to have somebody you know, you have to have, for me, um, I have had different people come in my life. I, I've named them different things, whether it's my muse or, mm. you know, in Grey's Anatomy, they would say, that's my person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's my person. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I've had my people that um, whenever I got to that, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I would call that person up and they'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, that person that talks sense in you, that person that grounds you, that person that reminds you of who you are. 
And I think that um, I've heard so many entrepreneurs, so many successful people say there is a myth. And the myth is that people can make it alone and people can succeed alone. Mm -hmm. And that is a myth. No one succeeds alone. Everyone who's been successful has had a mentor, a friend, a wife, a husband, somebody at some point that helped them endure. Maybe it was when they were getting started. Maybe it was when they were in a transition period. Maybe it was the whole time start to finish. You know, and when you look at, I look at the past, I look at the Rat Pack, you know, I look at, um, at, in Harlem, they had so many people that would meet up in Harlem and you always saw them together. Mm. You know, you look at, you know, Tupac and Jada or mm. you, it, you could just you can just go through whoever you want to talk about and you can say, OK, these this group or this group or this group or this group. And you know who they are when you think about it, because you know that these people, whether it's Motown or you know, the Philly sound or whatever. These people not only came from the same area, but they encouraged and challenged each other um, to excel. Mm. And they gave each other encouragement. You know, I think about a lot of people don't know that Tupac and and, um, MC Hammer Mm -hmm. were really close. And, um, you know, and then when people die, you have all these people come out of the woodwork and right. you find out all of these people like Smokey Robinson and Aretha Franklin, how close they were. Right. You know what I'm saying? These people didn't succeed by themselves. They had a support system. They had people that they could go to who told them the truth, mm. who encouraged and motivated them, loved them, lifted them up, you know, you know, basically called them on their bullshit, you know what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff, you know? And so I think that we all have to have our group, our, and it could be an online community. It could be a face-to-face community. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be, you know, whatever, um, church members, you know, sorority, fraternity brothers. It, It could be a bunch of different kinds of groups, but, um, We've talked about all kind of aspects of endurance, but I wanted to kind of end with this, that endurance is not just about you kind of making it on your own strength. It's about tapping into what you have around you. Mm. And whether it's books, whether it's podcasts, whether it's, you know, mentors, physical people, there are so many tools and, and Zenergy, the whole purpose of Zenergy is that you create a toolbox for your life, whether it's a toolbox of words that you go back to, to inspire yourself or merchandise like my package here, or things that you have in your environment that motivate you or people that you listen to, that you, uh, emulate, you know, so, I wanted to thank you guys for joining us. We kind of went long tonight, but we had this great conversation <laughs> about endurance. Is there anything that you wanted to say before we wrap up about oh, endurance? No, you know, uh, for me, endurance is the journey. That's it. It's the journey. And uh, shout out to the class of 2021. You know, love them with all my heart and soul. I say seven years at Wall Trip, six years teaching, five years coaching, and five of those years was with them. 
four of those years was with them. So shout out to the class of 2021. Shout out to all the educators who have finished no their school year no and all the educators <laughs> who've got a little bit more time to endure in this year of 2021. No and shout out to all the parents who have Ooh. finished the school year and shout out to all the parents who are still trying to get those kids right. to do that last bit of work, right. get those final exams done, get across that graduation stage. You know, he said a shout out to all the class, the class, uh, the class of 2021. I want to shout out to the family mm. of the graduates, because just like we were just talking about. You parents, you grandparents, you aunts and uncles, you Facts. guys were instrumental in getting those kids to that finish line. Facts. Whether it's high school, whether it's middle school, whether it's college, graduate school, you know, there were days when they did not want to get up and go to school, whether it was online or physical. There were days when they didn't want to get their work done. There were days when some of them wanted to drop out. And Thanks. you were the voice in their ear. You were the person having them check their work, get it done, you know, redo it, go to tutoring, you know, all those different things. So you have endured and you have done what you needed to do as a mentor, as a parent, as a, a you know, a person of a significant other, you know, whatever role you were taking. So we want to, as educators, of course, we need and we appreciate all of the help that we get from all of the parents and all of the significant others out there of these children because we cannot, cannot, mm. cannot do it without you guys. Facts. So we definitely want to um, appreciate you guys and thank you for that. And thank you for joining us as, as we wrap up this episode. So I am Zenashe. It's spelled Z-E-N-A-S-E. -E, so you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook. You can look up past episodes of the Zenergy podcast. We have about 33 episodes out right now. By the time this goes up on the podcast, it'll probably be about 40. Um, and like I said, you can advertise through us. You can get merch through my websites, laughsandlyrics.com, laughsandlyricsmerch.com. And this again was, you can tell them. Um, my name is John Rosdyke the first, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at John Rosdyke and still underscore visionary. Also the what's next pod underscore stillvisionary.com. Awesome. And thank you guys for joining us. May you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. My name is Zena Shea, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy, which is fuel for the mind, body, and soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one, I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So Zenergize Your Life with me. Thank you.